everyone, and welcome to Behind the Spacebar. This is episode nine, how to convince your band to use a click. My name is Will Doggett. If this is your first time, welcome. Behind the Spacebar is a podcast for playback techs, music directors, musicians, really anyone who performs on stage with Ableton Live. So if that sounds like you, you're in the right place. Stick around and we're glad you're here. Uh, today we're talking about something that um, I have found to be a universal problem. Um, I have been working with bands and helping bands use uh, click and tracks on stage since about 2004. And one thing I found that's really consistent is this initial hesitancy towards using a click on stage. Now you may be very, uh, you may be watching this and going, what does he necessarily mean by click? Uh, metronome, click track. Um, um, uh, you may, as a drummer, be used to using a boss doctor beat or some sort of external metronome, maybe even a metronome app. Um, a lot of you may be listening to this, watching this, started doing piano lessons and doing piano lessons growing up. You had the metronome, you saw the actual physical uh, metronome ticking away, clicking away. Uh, and you're used to that. You're used to playing with a metronome. It's a practice tool. Uh, maybe you've even recorded in the studio. You're used to, to starting to click, recording a guitar part, and then you know adding some keyboards, uh, stuff around it, that sort of thing. For you, you've maybe used a click, but you've never played with a click live on stage. Well, um, I saw this initially, this initial hesitancy, um, in my initial kind of having these conversations with worship leaders. So what I would do is I would go to typically a worship conference <clears throat> and it's a conference of worship leaders, musicians, music directors that would, uh, you know, from all over the country would come together. And typically I would teach a class that's like intro to tracks, how to start using tracks. And I would teach something and I've taught something for years called the transition timeline. And this is the idea that in order to use tracks, you've got to first start using in-ears. And then once you start using in-ears, you've got to then start using click. And then once you get that down, then you can start using tracks. Um, and in those conversations with people, it, it wasn't very difficult to typically convince them to use tracks or be pushed back towards, oh, we can't have freedom. We can't have flexibility. Um, worship leaders in particular are really big on spontaneity, being able to jump around. So there'd be a little bit of hesitancy towards that, but I could kind of show them really quickly that, uh, we could solve that. Uh, that's easy, uh, easy problem to solve in Ableton Live. Um, but I started to really see this hesitancy towards the idea of using click on stage. It's a tool for rehearsal. That's what a lot of folks would say. Uh, it's restrictive. Real musicians don't use click. And we'll, we'll talk about in a future episode, uh, debunking the idea that real musicians don't use tracks. But uh, I, I started to see this initial hesitancy amongst worship leaders. Well, um, I then started to chuckle as I, as, as I worked with more bands and more people from different contexts. And I would work with um, uh, bands from the Air Force. Uh, that were integrating Ableton Live and and went to uh, Nebraska to meet with the Air Force band and help them integrate Ableton Live. And so we had conversations. I heard stories of people that were really hesitant to, to the idea of using Click on stage. Um, <clears throat> I would work with cover bands. I would work with artists that are uh, traveling the country. Uh, I would work with um, uh, CCM artists. I would work with small solo artists. And it was it was almost to the point of being comical and being funny. I would continually hear this similar theme of, Hey, I'm, I'm all down to, to, you know, automate my production and make a bigger show. I'm all down to use tracks. I get it. I, I, I want to have those sounds, um, but I don't want to play on stage with click. In fact, even recently, um, a couple months ago, we did our monthly call with subscribers. Um, and I had a few emails all in the same week with folks really asking different version, versions of the same question. So it kind of went like this. How can we use tracks without a click? The rest of the members of the band don't want to use click. And I remember that specific individual was reaching out because uh, they were a band, a cover band playing in smaller clubs, 
Um, and this individual wanted to start using tracks, but the band was really hesitant towards uh, uh, playing with a click. Uh, another kind of version of that, someone reached out and said, and this is pretty recent, we're a small church, we don't use a click, but how can we automate our lyrics with ProPresenter? Um, and then again, similar question, really same question, but just kind of different scenario, different way of asking it. Um, uh, one of our subscribers said that they were doing playback for an artist uh, and the artist doesn't want to hear click in their ears. What do they do? Um, and it just reminded me that this is a constant issue, no matter the context, whether you're a small church, a large church, a, um, a playback tech out on the road, traveling with an artist, a drummer that's out on the road, traveling with an artist doing tracks, um, you're uh, playing in an Air Force band somewhere, a military band, whatever it is. If you're going to use tracks, you're going to walk through this initial resistance to using clicks. So what do we do? How do we handle that? In this episode, I really want to discuss three things. Number one, why should you use a click track live? Um, there's got to be some benefit to it. Uh, you know, I mentioned this transition timeline. There's got to be some sort of benefit to using a click. So we're going to talk about that. Number two, we're going to talk about why are we so hesitant towards using a click in general? And then number three, I'm going to talk about how to convince your band to use a click. Now, I'll mention a few times things that are specific for worship leaders and, and convincing their band, their team to use a click. But this really goes beyond that. In fact, that first email that I mentioned was one of the first uh, very recent kind of reach outs. And it was from someone that's just in a cover band and they're doing this just for fun. And again, they can't convince the rest of their band to, to use click. So I thought, man, this still is a very important subject and a very important topic. So number one, let's start at the, the top here. Why should you use a click live? <clears throat> There's really two reasons for me, uh, three reasons uh, technically, but two reasons initially I, I want to hit up here uh, up front. Uh, number one, it improves the experience for the audience. So one of the reasons, the first reason we should use a click live is it improves the experience for the audience. Here's what I mean by that. One, music that should be played at a, a constant tempo, a song that's written at 98 BPM sounds really good at 98 BPM. It does not sound good at 98, 95, 92, 105, 102 BPM. When we do that, it just sounds like we don't really know what we're doing. When we do a song too fast, there's a bit of a tension there because it's like something just doesn't seem right. Something doesn't feel right. When we do a song too slow, there's there's a bit of a tension. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Yeah, you know, maybe you're at a bar, you're at a uh, a restaurant eating dinner. There's there's maybe a solo person playing acoustic guitar singing, and as they're singing and playing, they're doing these cover songs. But they do a song, you know, way too slow. And I'm not talking about so slow that you know we take something that's like. Uh, up tempo and we make it a ballad. That's not what I'm talking about. That's super intentional. I, I mean, taking a song that should be played at, uh, you know, one tempo and, and we drop it 10, 15 BPM slower, um, not intentionally, but because we, we want to have the freedom to play without click and we're a real artist. Um, that may be fun for you on stage in the moment, but when you are in the audience and you're listening to that, there's a, a bit of tension Something doesn't feel right. Something just feels like, yeah, I don't know about that. When you listen to a band play together live and they're sp speeding up and slowing down, there's a bit of tension to that if, and I, I want to make this super clear, because I get a lot of people that will comment on, uh, someone just recently commented on a rig rundown video where someone was showing their um, uh, their kind of redundant rig system. And they said, oh, I remember back when real musicians played live. And I thought, man, that's such a short-sighted look at that. 
And we'll talk about this later when we talk about, again, debunking the idea that real musicians don't use tracks. But um, it, to me, it's all context. And if the music you're playing should ebb and flow and it should flex. Again, I, I talk about walking into a, a jazz club and hearing a, a, a jazz quartet or a jazz trio playing. And if I suddenly realize they're playing to click and the bass part is tracked, I'm going to walk right out because that doesn't feel authentic. That doesn't, that's not what I'm expecting in that context. But if I walk into a, a, a club, a venue, um, and a band that I know their songs really, really well is playing and I'm super excited to see them and they're just speeding up and slowing down, um, I'm going to go, man, what, what are these guys doing? I think they're performing for the sake of themselves as opposed to trying to serve the audience and serve the needs of the people that are there. Um, and so I think it improves the experience of the audience. It's going to give consistent tempos, but the other thing it's going to do is it's going to give better transitions. We'll talk about that in a moment from the context of the band, from the band's perspective, but it's going to give you better transitions to where, um, and let's, let's put this in the context of a, a worship scenario, because I think this is the first time that this really hit me, that this is a great, um, scenario for, for using a click, right? Um, you end a song and this is typically what happens. We end a song, maybe the drummer trash cans. We go to start the next song on off. And if we're not using click, what do we hear? We hear the drummer with their stick. Right. And they start the song. Well, let's say it starts on piano. Well, we want to make sure our tempo is right. So the drummer is going to keep tempo going and we're going to hear piano kind of playing this part and the context of a worship song uh, and a worship service, you know, a lot of times you're playing like a pad part. There's not rhythm to it. It's just this kind of ambient pad part. Nothing kills the vibe more than having a drummer going, ch -ch, right. And counting off on their hi hat and keeping time on their hi hat, uh, and having a singer try to figure out when to come in and they're not exactly sure. And the keyboard is just trying to play a pad part. Um, using a click live is going to give us better transitions because what can happen is we can end that song. The drummer can trash can out. Uh, they can start the next song. And as the drummer is starting the next song, she doesn't have to count on her hi-hat to start the next song. Just cymbal swell, start the next song. The keyboardist hears the click going, and then he plays the pad. And the vocalist, when she hears that, she uh, hears the count off. She hears the click, and she knows, okay, I'm going to start on this part. And it allows you to, to connect one song to the next. It allows you to create this nice kind of ambient moment, uh, again, to where instead of... Um, uh, instead of being in a situation where you're transitioning from one song to the next and the drummer's got to uh, keep time going and, and count things off, it's going to allow the band just to smoothly transition from one song to the next. And that's a great experience for, um, that's really a great experience for the, the audience watching. If you're in a worship context, the congregation listening, because it doesn't break the flow of things as opposed to suddenly kind of being in this nice, beautiful moment, a song ends and suddenly you're ch -ch -ch -ch. It doesn't break the flow of things. Here's the other reason why you should use a click live. It improves the experience of the band. Let's let's go back to that scenario. Um, as a drummer, I mean, I'm not as a drummer. That's a wrong way to start that phrase. But let's say, let's pretend uh, I'm a drummer in, a, in this scenario. We don't make a drummer's role easy, particularly for not playing with click. We put a lot on their shoulders because we, we put them in a scenario where we say, hey, we want to do this song at 120 BPM. And at the end of the song, I want you to count us off and then or, uh, cymbal swell and then immediately count us off to the song at 75 BPM. And that typically takes one of two roles, uh, one of two kind of ways to implement that. One way is just cymbal swell and then the drummer reaches down to their metronome and they trigger their next song. They listen to click for a second and then they count us off, right? Um, that's not too difficult for a drummer, right? Although the band's playing at one tempo, they're getting tempo for the next and they're counting. 
um, that's not the, the worst thing in the world. They at least have something to reference. But what I've seen a lot of times happen is um, drummer just plays. We don't want to play with click because we're real musicians, right? We're real music. We're feeling the music, man. We're just, we're vibing. So because of that, we end a song and we go to do a song at 75 BPM and the drummer just makes their best guess. They count us off and they count us off at like 85. But of course, we're not playing a click. So we slowly slow down to 75. And again, it goes back to number one, not a great experience for the audience, right? Uh, if the music's meant to be played with fluctuations in tempo, great. Please do that. Like, like program tempo changes in the click or don't play with click in, in those particular moments. Um, but if the, the song's meant to be at 95, you're not a better musician if you play it at 95, 93, 92, 91, 97, 96. Just play it at 95. Uh, improves the experience of the band. It takes the weight off the drummer's shoulders. Um, you get to song one, same scenario, drummer's trash canning. She starts click for the next song, continues to trash can and just lets off. Right. And again, like we mentioned before, makes a better experience for the audience. The transition is going to be better, but the drummer can just sit back and relax. She can just hang out. She doesn't have to keep time going for everyone. Um, the second thing, no more tapping tempo as a guitar player. This is something uh, I really quickly picked up on. Uh, if we're using click, we're going to keep everything in time, right? Uh, me as a guitar player, if we're playing at 95 BPM, I can either do one of two things. I can program uh, song two at 95 BPM on my delay pedal. And when I trigger that, the clicks at 95, my delays at 95. Now it's just up to me to actually be able to play in time and play with a click. But if I can, then everything's going to be in time. The other additional benefit is you could actually run a MIDI cable from your Ableton Live computer or USB cable from your Ableton Live computer and send MIDI clock to your delay pedal and keep your tempos in time, right? So there's no need to, to tap tempos. As a keyboard player, maybe you're playing uh, a Rhodes thing and you want like a little tremolo thing, or maybe you want a delay thing on a synth lead line. You don't have to tap your tempo and try to guess it. You can program that into your keyboard. Or again, you could get MIDI clock from your tracks machine. It's going to be perfectly in time with your click. Um, the other thing that's really great about this is you can help support the band with guide cues, slates. Um, uh, two really simple examples of this. If Again, if you're listening to this as a worship leader, you're very familiar with this idea of using guide cues. But you start a click, even if you're not using tracks, you start a click and you press play and you can hear in your ears verse, chorus, bridge. This is super, super beneficial and helpful in scenarios where you're in a cover band, maybe you're like a wedding band and you've got a repertoire of who knows how many songs, 200 songs you're possibly pulling from. Maybe you're taking requests from people. If you've got a song file programmed out in Ableton Live, ready to go, you can press play and you'll get those guide cues happening in your ears. That's kind of the more common scenario. Um, one that, that people don't often think about that uh, is one of my favorite stories. I remember working... This is probably four or five years ago now, maybe if not even more. Um, I did a one-on-one -on -one session with a country artist and um, a, a drummer for a, a country band. And it was a band of, uh, of brothers and family musicians that played together. They all sang harmonies together. And they, as a way to help them, you know, you're, you're high energy in the middle of a show, adrenaline is pumping. Um, they would start a song and at the start of that song, they would have a keyboard part that just would play bum, 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 or whatever it is, right? Uh, give them the, their starting pitches. Um, and then the vocalist would start acapella perfectly in key, everyone on their right part. Um, and, and it was just flawless. I've even heard scenarios of where people would, vocalists would essentially perform a song as if they're just starting out of thin air but they get the pitch at the beginning. They maybe even do a key change. They get that next pitch. You know, they 
hold a, a high note out, super high note. Um, and then in their ears, they get the pitch for the next key. And then they start that next key perfectly. And then by the time they get to the end of the song, they end up in the correct key, start the song and everyone's together in the, the, the same key. Um, if you're using a click live, yes, it's going to improve the experience of the audience. It's also going to improve the, improve the experience of the band and their scenario. And it's going to allow you to, to support the band doing those extra things with guide cues, with slates, um, um, with maybe those little things, those pitch things. I've even heard scenarios of, and I think I've mentioned this before, a friend of mine who's a playback tech for an artist, the artist kept forgetting the lyrics to a particular part of a song. And so as a way to serve the artist, he, he put, uh, you know, the lyrics of this one particular section out. It's not the lyrics of every part of every song. That's a little excessive, but he put the, the starting lyrics to this one section as a guide cue for the artist. So that when they got to that part, the artist, uh, heard the thing it was a reminder and they sang the lyrics just right. You could say that's cheating. You could say whatever you want to, but what did it do at that moment? It improved the experience for the band. Now I said two things. Here's our third reason. Um, it opens up more options and this starts to get us into other conversations for other days. But if we're playing with click and we're using a click live on stage, it opens up the ability to use tracks. So we already talked about the uh, transition timeline. And again, this is something I've been teaching uh, primarily to churches for a long time. But it, it applies to really anyone using tracks. If you're going to use tracks, you've got to start using in-ears. And then once you get used to using in-ears, then you've got to start using click. And only once you master using in-ears and using click, that's then when you transition to using tracks, right? If you get and understand how to use a click, then you're going to be able to use tracks. So um, not only does using a click improve the experience of the audience, not only does it improve the experience of the band, but it opens up more options like the ability to use tracks. Um, I also hinted at this earlier. If you're using a click, let, let's say you're not even using tracks. Let's say you have no extra additional sounds, but you've got a click track and your click track is programmed to the exact arrangement of your song. You're using Ableton Live. So yeah, you could jump around, you could repeat a verse, you could repeat a chorus. That's all cool. That's great. We can do that in Ableton Live. But let's say you are in a scenario where um, you've got just a click with just that click. Let's say maybe even you have some guide cues to remind you of song sections, whatever, but no tracks. Even with that, you're able to automate your production. You can automate your lights so that as your drummer hits their low toms, um, at the exact moment that she hits the low toms, the lights flash, right? Perfectly in time. Uh, as the song dies down dynamically, the lights fade down as they bring back up, they fade up. I think of my buddy, Josh, who plays drums for a, a band locally here in Austin. And um, they just uh, got back from tour a couple months ago. And on that tour, it's a small band, I think four or five piece band. But uh, Josh went out on the road uh, as a drummer running Ableton Live and controlling all of their lights. So they would walk into small venues, small clubs. I mean, the band is already great. They're amazing sounding, great songwriting, great performers. But having their lights automated, having lights change perfectly in time and follow the arrangement of the song took them from being here to, to performing at the level of the big boys, right? And I know some people get offended when I say boys or guys, but the the, the pros, right? The the people that are out on the, the road with uh, multi-million dollar budgets, you are doing the same thing in a small club with a less than a thousand dollar budget, maybe even less than $500 budget, as long as you're playing to click. If you're a worship leader listening to this, you play to click, you can automate your lyrics in Pro Presenter. You can still jump around. You can still edit your arrangement. Your lyrics are going to follow, but you, as long as you're playing to a click, you're going to be able to automate your lyrics, automate your light. So um, why should you use a click track live? Number one, it improves the experience for the audience. If you're a worship leader, it improves the experience for the congregation. Two, it improves the experience of the band. 
Three, it opens up more options, the ability to use tracks, the ability to automate production. But this brings us to this point. So if, if this is such a great benefit, if there's these great benefits of using Click, why are we so resistant to using Click? Uh, for me, every single situation I've worked in, every single situation I've consulted, every band I've been a part of, um, every situation I've walked in and, and taught, uh, whether it's marching band, Air Force band, uh, artists playing a giant stadium, small church, large church, whatever it is, it comes down to one thing. Why are we so resistant to using Click in security? Um, a lot of times we feel like we can't do it. Uh, it's insecurity. Again, it, it manifests itself in different ways. Real musicians don't play to Click. Um, yet Click is a tool for the studio. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, click restricts our freedom. It restricts our ability to really play a band and be just a group of musicians responding in the moment. Again, it's all about context there. Again, if I go to a show with, um, uh, uh, that's meant to be, you know, very improv based, um, and, and it's like meant to be a jam band thing and it's, uh, meant to fluctuate in tempos and meant to just kind of be spontaneous and go here and go there, then yeah, I don't want to hear then play to a click, right? I, I want to be in that moment and experience the uniqueness of what happens in that unique moment. But that's not most of the scenarios I've been in. Most of those scenarios I've been in is a drummer who should play a song at 120 BPM. And when they start playing at 120 BPM, they go to 115, 116, 114, 125, and 120 BPM. That's not musical expression. That's inability. There's time for that, right? And, and a lot of people point to classic rock songs that were not reported, uh, recorded to a click or whatever. That's great. And if that works for you and that's what you're trying to cover, then sure, please do that. But I know a lot of classic rock artists that are out on the road now, and guess what they're doing? They're playing a click and they're playing the tracks. For the sake of the reasons we talked about before, using tracks, um, uh, controlling their production elements uh, to support the band, all sorts of reasons. But one of the big reasons I, I've found uh, the people are resistant and hesitant to using click is insecurity. And we'll, we'll talk about how to solve all this in just a moment. Um, we've talked about, you know, why we should use click. We'll, we'll, I've got one more thing to share about why people are resistant and then we'll talk about how to convince your band. So I'll, I'll share some solutions in a moment, but I, the biggest reason I've found is insecurity. And so there's some solutions to that. Again, we'll talk in a moment about how to tell, how to solve that. Uh, but that tends to be the number one thing. The other thing, which I think is still related to insecurity. Uh, this, the, and I apologize, I don't remember your name, but uh, a guy emailed a couple, uh, like I mentioned, a couple, I think weeks, months ago now, that had mentioned he can't get the rest of his band members, his bandmates, to to want to play to click. And so I believe he was just like triggering kind of one-shot samples, but wanted to do more, but they refused to play to click. And so he was trying to figure out what to do. Um, again, one, I think that resistance to click is probably insecurity, probably because they can't do it or they feel like they may not be able to do it. But a lot of times I, again, I think it's still insecurity, but a lot of times I see it manifest itself kind of with this response. Um, we, we just, we want to play music. We just want to have fun. We want to enjoy the presence of other musicians responding in the moment. And again, context is everything. There's times for that. But I think um, a lot of times we forget that music and performing music is all about serving. It's not about what's happening on stage. And yes, um, my favorite, some of my favorite moments musically, I've enjoyed, you know, producing albums with people and working with, with a group of people to produce music. But my favorite moments musically are being on stage with a band. Like I'm not a big solo performer. I don't like playing guitar by myself. I mean, even having my guitar in my office, 
I pick it up occasionally, but the thing that I really love is playing with a band. I love being on stage with a group of individuals. And uh, I always say good bands have great, have inside jokes. And it's just that ability that you know each other so well that you look at each other, you nod, you know exactly what that means, where you're going to go. You look at each other, you start laughing because of something that everyone's just in on the joke. They get it. They understand it. Um, but even in those moments when it's fun, even in those moments when um, you you maybe feel like you're doing something that's that's uh, because it's fun for the people on stage, real good musicians understand that that people coming to a show is all about those people. It's all about the experience those people are going to have. Um, again, if the context makes sense, then um, using a click is going to improve the experience of those people. Again, improve the transitions, keep uh, click consistent, keep tempo consistent, um, uh, implement production elements, automation elements, those sorts of things. Here's the other reality of that. This is what the pros do. If you're just having fun and you just want to be self-indulgent and play music, that's great. Um, go for it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if that case, then yeah, don't worry about playing a click. Just get on stage and solo for 18 minutes and do your thing. Um, but I don't think people in the audience are really going to enjoy that. Um, I've even heard really, really good guitarist, um, legendary guitarist, stand on stage and just play and play and play. And it gets to the point where it just becomes... it. it it goes from, let me create a great moment for the people to being self-indulgent for the person on stage. And this person in particular that I'm thinking of, I'm not going to say their name or mention any dead giveaways uh, to their identity, but it just became incredibly self-indulgent. And I saw an entire audience of people um, just kind of become uninterested in it because it's all about that guy. And in that moment, him doing the, uh, you know, using his whammy bar as much as he could and as many dive bombs as possible. And we just kind of all were like, He's just, he's having a moment on stage and there's something about admiring artistry. And I hope you're understanding this thing. There's something about admiring artistry and someone playing really well, but the artists that play really well are still doing it with the intention or they're constantly thinking of serving what those people are doing. Because the reality is if the people don't show up and pay to hear that person do that thing, then that person can't keep doing that thing for those people. Does that make sense? So, um, um, I think that resistance is insecurity. I think that resistance is this desire, um, that ultimately I think is selfish, uh, this desire to be self-indulgent and just play music and have fun. And if that's what you want to do again, just start up a garage band, go over to your buddy's garage and play music. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't play to a click. Don't record it. Just have fun. Just jam, enjoy the moment. But if you're going to be on stage, you're going to perform, make it a great experience for those people. Okay. I'm, I've got to get off my. Uh, my soapbox here. So we've talked about why we should use click. Uh, we've talked about why people are resistant. I, I want to wrap up here answering kind of the question, the call of this episode, which is how to convince your band um, yeah, to start using a click. Number one to me, you've got to cast vision. You've got to share why and share it with this particular kind of bent. Um, we're selfish people. When you say, uh, and let me put it back in the context of worship leaders for a moment. Um, when a worship leader goes to worship conference, they get excited about uh, automating lyrics and pro presenter. They get excited about playing to a click, playing with tracks, and they come home and tell their band full of volunteers who barely know the songs, who um, are just really interested in having a creative outlet to play music that, hey, suddenly we're going to start playing to click. Everyone's going to go, why? What's in it for me? And, and that's, I'm not even going to say that that's necessarily a wrong approach. That's just how we are. We're all selfish, selfish people. So if you're going to implement um, a click with your band. I don't care the context, cover band, professional band, ba band traveling, working with an artist, you've got to cast vision and it's got to be 
particularly pointed towards like what's in it for me. How's it going to benefit me? Uh, here's a couple quick thoughts I have. Freedom for the drummer. We already talked about this. We're trying to have the drummer uh, count off uh, our songs, give us tempo, keep our tempo consistent, keep us all together. We're going to have freedom for the drummer. Uh, the second thing, no more tapping tempo. Already talked about that. Guitar players, it's a huge thing for me as a guitar player. A I'm going to say a guitar player playing in a, a modern music context of using delay pedals, using tremolo effects, whatever keyboardists using tremolo effects, um, uh, uh, synth players playing like a synth lead with a delay line, uh, yeah, delay effect in there, not having to tap your tempo to save your tempo. It locks in with the click or even sending MIDI clock from your Ableton computer to your keyboard, to your delay pedal is huge. The second thing is more professional. It's going to um, uh, improve the experience for the people that are coming to see you. And if you are intending or wanting to be at the same level that the big boys are, right, um, you can do that by playing with Click. Again, it's going to support what you're doing. That artist that's resistant to Click, you can let them know and show them in practically in, in uh, example. Uh, they can run around from the, the main stage to the B stage, uh, go do their thing, and they can run from the B stage back on the stage, hear Click, and consistently know exactly where to come in, remind them of the lyric, give them pitch even uh, if they need to, and it's going to be consistent every time. It's going to make their life easier. The reason we're using click is we want to make your life easier and, and in making your life easier, we're actually making it better for everyone else. We talked about this, have the same level of production as bands and artists that are traveling the globe, giant multi-million dollar setups, multiple um, um, tractor trailer trucks full of gear. You can have the same level of production as they do with um, you know so much less money all because you're using a click and you're automating your production. Um, the second thing here that's going to help in convincing your band to play with a click is provide support. Um, like throw this idea out, win people over to the idea, but keep in the back of your mind and people are not going to come out and overtly say, man, I am resistant to using a click because I am insecure and feel like I can't play in time to a click there. No one's going to say that. So you've got to share that vision. You got to cast the vision, but then you need to really support your band and making this happen. If you're the person pushing for this, you're the music director, you're the, the drummer using Ableton and you're pushing for this, then let people practice before you implement. Um, a couple of things to help them with share tempos for songs. Hey, this song is 95. This song we do is 72. Um, tell them to download a, a tempo app on their iPhone program. those tempos in and practice at home. Um, um, uh, potentially provide a way for them to get lessons. I know a lot of churches that in order to help their drummers learn to play to click, um, if it's someone that's kind of faithful and they're volunteering or whatever, serving for a while, or they show interest in serving, they'll get them some drum lessons. They'll do a trade with uh, a music shop in town or whatever, some sort of trade. So, or, or maybe a lower cost because they're a nonprofit or whatever it is, but they'll try to get lessons for people to support them. Um, if you are, again, this is more for, if you're, have the content you you're a music director, maybe more so than just like a drummer running tracks, um, but send them the clicks to practice with in Ableton, go and take your track and send all your tracks up to the right, your click to the left, export a practice file and let your band rehearse with it. This is going to be a huge, huge thing. Um, here's the goal. As we throw out this idea, we win them over to this. We try to support, uh, support our team and provide support for them. We don't want to, to, um, let that one person, we don't want to, um, we want to make it to where that one person doesn't feel like they're left out, that they're the one person that can't do it. So we want to give it some time. We want to provide support for the team, provide them resources like tempos, 
export your full song with your click to the left tracks to the right that sort of thing um number three something that i think helps that helps convince your band to play with click uh, and it's something i've done naturally in this conversation just because i've been teaching this for a long time and it's something i really truly believe is change your language we do not play two clicks playing to a click feels oppressive someone is telling me what to do it's telling me uh 75 bpm i don't play to a click what do I do? I play with clicks. I use the same language when I'm talking about tracks. We don't play two tracks. We play with tracks. And that's something I, I learned very early on um, as a, a, a young guy working in churches with volunteer musicians, someone who was uh, really passionate about Ableton, wanted to use click and tracks in our different contexts and scenarios. I learned that I have to change my language. I cannot say we're going to play two tracks. Uh, we're going to play two click because again, that feels oppressive. It feels like someone's telling me what to do and no one can tell me what to do. But if I say we're playing with click, that just kind of changes the vibe. Now I do really believe that though. It's not just a change in language for the sake of being deceptive or manipulative to, to get people to buy into it. It really is true because if we decide in the moment to change the tempo, guess what I do and able to live, I tap the tempo and the tracks follow us. If we in the moment decide to skip repeat of a section of the song, guess what I do in Ableton? I have changed the tracks, changed the click to follow us in the moment. So it's not just a, a, a statement. It's not just a thing I say. It's really something that I believe in, something that I enact in the way that I program my Ableton content. Number four, make sure you're properly equipped. Again, we talked about the transition timeline. Before you ever start playing with click, make sure you're using ears. The mistake I see, and again, I'll pick on worship leaders again, just because I see this happen so much a young worship leader will go to a conference. They'll just be amped. They'll be like so stoked. They'll come back. They're ready to transition to in-ears. They realize they have a digital board. They've got headphone amps. So that, that Sunday they get back, they tell the band, text them on Saturday. Hey guys, some exciting updates on Sunday. The band shows up on Sunday. Suddenly the wedges are taken off the stage. They're all using in-ears and suddenly there's this in their ears and this lady yelling at them, telling them which section of the song to play. Don't do that. Transition transition to ears first. Get used to, to playing with ears, to, to building an in-ear mix. Get really comfortable with that. And then when you're comfortable with that, then when the point where the, the members of your band no longer think about that, and maybe you practice in your garage and then you set up and do a, a date, you know, every Friday, you know, once a month, whatever it is, maybe you go do an open mic thing somewhere. Um, whatever it is, you get to the point where th you no longer think about mixing your in-ears. It's just what you do. Once it, it that becomes solidified and you're ready to go, then we start talking about playing with a click. And again, we start playing with a click after we practice with a click for a very long time. And then we start uh, playing with a click after we've rehearsed for a very long time with click. And after we've rehearsed for a very long time with click and we practice with click for a very long time and we've given our band the support and resources they need to do it, then we start playing with click live. Then once we get that, we've mastered that down, then we start using tracks or alternatively to that, then we start adding our automation stuff in. So you, you've got to believe in that timeline. You've got to practice that timeline based on the skill of your band, based on the commitment level of, of the rest of the members of your band. And again, you may be listening to this and you're taking notes furiously and you're like, I'm going to go share this with the team. You're super passionate about it. You've got to give them some time, but that sometimes that transition period between those items is a year. Uh, again, going back to being at worship conferences, one of my favorite things every year was to be at the same worship conference and hear from some of the next year. They said, Hey, Will, we, we transitioned to click uh, transition in ears this year. We're going to click. 
And then seeing them the next year and they go, well, we, we done click for the past year. We did in years the year before that. This is the year we start using tracks and it's a three year process for them. And you may look at that and go, goodness gracious, how do you stay motivated to do a three year transition to something like that? But that's how you do it successfully. Now your, your band, the folks you're playing with, even if you're just a cover band playing, you know, uh, karaoke, uh, dates in a club, uh, playing weddings once a month, whatever it is, you may be very, very skilled musicians. You may be super committed. So you might be able to make this transition in a month. You may be able to make this transition in a week, whatever it is, make sure you're properly equipped. You've applied the transition timeline. So now what, what do we do now? So, uh, we've understood why to use click. We've, we've, uh, we understand kind of psychologically why a lot of people are resistant to that. So then we finally convince our band by sharing vision, making it really focused on them. What's next. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Head to from studio to stage.com slash free. I've got a ton of really great uh, resources there, including free click tracks, free guide cues. If you're looking for a resource for members of your band to practice to a click at 72 BPM, then have them head to from studio to stage.com slash free download the free click tracks that they can load on their iPhone. They can play in any doll. Um, they can just open up and preview on their computer and just play in time and practice. Um, but this is what's going to help you succeed with using Ableton live on stage, succeed with, um, uh, playing with a click live on stage and, and succeed with running tracks like a pro with Ableton live. So if that's you, the, the one call to action I want you to have here watching, listening to this episode is head to from studiostagecom slash free. The second thing I want you to do is make sure you join me next week, 10 a.m. Central. We'll be back here with a brand new episode of Behind the Space Bar. Again, this is the place to hang if you're a playback tech and music director and musician, anyone using Ableton Live on stage. Every Monday, 10 a.m. Central, we post a brand new episode. Um, do me a favor if you're listening on uh, on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, hit subscribe, hit the bell icon so you're notified when we post new content. Uh, wherever you're watching, podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is, uh, leave us a great review, a rating review, it means a lot. And uh, worst case, if nothing else, I'll see you next week, 10 a.m. Central. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, take care, everybody, and good luck on transitioning to that click track. See you, everybody. Bye.